0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show that is so bad we held open auditions recently for a new host and no one showed up. Now I invite you to sit back, relax. The smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking podcast. I am still your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the smoke-filled, cold recording studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. In tonight's show, going to talk on just about the tip of the stem, the button area and the different styles of that and pipe parts. My guest is filmmaker, producer, pipe smoker, Jeremy Rush. It's going to be a lot of fun, so pay attention with that listen. He's got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, Mailbag, music, rant, all that back here live again in the studio on a Thursday evening. And yes, I did make it back from the cruise. It was a uh, good trip, good time. Let me tell you, Carnival much better than uh, my previous experience on a cruise, which some of you may be familiar with. They had uh, the top deck right by the pool, had about thirty uh, about thirty tables and chairs right by a bar, a couple of TVs out there, view outside of a view out the window, kind of sheltered and protected a little bit, but basically out on the pool deck. Pipes, cigars. Smoking allowed in that area, that area only for pipes and cigars though. So I did spend a, spent a handful of uh, hours sitting up there on the deck, met some really nice people. Uh, no other pipe smokers on the cruise with me. No other pipe smokers that I ran into. Also didn't have anybody comment and uh, say, hey, you know, well, that's really cool you smoke a pipe. That reminds me of my grandfather. I'm used to hearing that when I'm out in public. Uh, Did get a chance, smoked a few cigars out there. If you're gonna do New Year's Eve celebrations, let me tell you the way to do it is on a cruise ship. Uh, The the off-duty crew and most of the passengers were up on the pool deck and the ship was pouring champagne and hopefully somebody was driving the boat, but Uh, we made it back and it was a lot of fun. So highly recommend Carnival Cruise Lines. They've got a decent smoking policy. And uh, yes, if you have a balcony room, you can smoke a cigar pipe out on your balcony as well. All right, we're back. Let's get things rolling. Sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. It is one good way to keep your hands warm on a cold night. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. And here we go. This is Internet Radio. Thank you for calling SmokingPipes.com. This is Barry. How can I help you?
1: Meet Barry. He's our homegrown, all-American family guy in customer service here at SmokingPipes.com. With 25 years of experience in sales, his dedication to customer service makes Barry pretty handy around here. He's on the phone all day helping customers like you from all over the globe pick out great pipes and pipe tobacco. Tell me about your selection of a Savinelli autograph. Don't you know
2: I saw that list of tobacco you carry online there. Maybe you could help me pick out a good Virginia,
1: eh? You see, we hire not only the best people, we hire people who are as passionate about our products as you are. Just ask Barry why he loves his job at SmokingPipes.com.
0: Because I don't just help people choose from our great selection of pipes, I smoke them. Call us at
1: 1-888-366-0345 or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com.
0: Welcome back. In just a few minutes, Jeremy Rush will be on the phone with me. In the meantime, in pipe parts, let's cover a little bit more detail on the tip of the stem. All right, so we know on a pipe stem, there's basically two different kinds. There's a tapered stem that comes from the shank and tapers down all the way to the button evenly, there's some variations on tapers, or, and then there's the saddle stem where it comes off, cuts down, and you get a thin spot, you know, thin flat spot. I think it was called a saddle stem because it worked real good with tying it in or resting it in, the, uh, in all the saddle work on your horse. Uh, the early pipes, early, early, early pipes, the shaping of the stem... At the end of the stem, it would just come down tapered and round out, and there'd be one small hole right down the middle. You'll see that on a lot of pipes that are early 1900s, late 1800s. Looks like it's just a round kind of an opening. Not much of a lip at all. Maybe there is some lip to the, or some button down there, but not much at all. This comes down, it was really only meant for sipping on the pipe, putting it between your lips, puffing, and then taking it out. Now, current day we have multiple options on types of stems or button work. The standard is where those where the stem comes down and the button stays even and is the same width as the stem all the way down. And then it comes to a nice button, and then the air hole opens up, and you get that slot. So you'll look at the end of the stem, and you'll see that rectangular slot. The width of the stem will be equal all the way up and down. Uh, There are a couple of companies that do a little bit of a narrowing down, because maybe the stem's really big, and they want to narrow it down just for that shape. Going forward, you'll see companies that have widened the stem, so the stem's dramatically wider than what it normally should look like, but it'll be tapered. It'll be evenly tapered all the way down, so they call that a wide comfort bit, or makes it easier to easy to get a hold of, gives you a whole bunch to anchor into, and then of course there's a button on the on the end of it. Uh, early on in the twenties and thirties, you start to see companies like Dunhill and Sassini start doing what I kind of favor towards, which is a fishtail. And they call it a fishtail because it starts out standard size, and then as you get down towards the button, it widens out. Once it widens out, it looks like the tail of a fish. They were really, uh, really sneaky when they came up with the name for this. Uh, what they will do sometimes is also curve in or work in the shape of the front of the the front of the button. So you get a little bit of an accentuated point on either side. And it kind of works well with getting in your mouth and being a rounded feel. Uh, The fishtail stem for me is the one that I prefer most often. It just works comfortably. Doesn't take up a lot of room in my lips. A couple other options that have come along. The P-lip or the Peterson lip, which of course takes the smoke and moves it straight up. That gives it a little bit more of a top of a button, but it keeps the smoke from going on your tongue. The Sheraton Double Comfort bit, if you haven't seen one, take a look around. It's where they take it and they thin the bit down in one dramatic step on like the last half inch before it goes into your mouth. That's called the Sheraton Double Comfort. It was meant to be extra comfortable because it was going to be super thin when it got in your mouth. A couple other variations, the denture bit has a really tall pronounced upper button. So the top half, the top button of the stem is really tall. It might be a quarter to three eighths of an inch tall. And that was meant so that if you wore dentures, that taller button got up behind your teeth and onto the roof of your mouth and was actually anchoring in the pipe that way so it wouldn't pull your dentures out. Make sense? Look around for them. You'll see them occasionally on estate pipes. I believe there's a couple of companies that still make a a denture bit or a... uh, uh, They still make them nowadays, but I haven't seen too many of them lately. Uh, A couple other variations through the years. Uh, You'll see bite-proof bits where they're really thick and rounded and really hard to get through with one thin hole. You'll also see double bores. And a double bore is where they take the standard single draft hole coming through the stem, and then instead of just opening it up into one slot, they open it up into two separate holes. So it V's out, in, it splits or forks inside the stem, and then you get two holes. So that's supposed to help spread the smoke around your mouth and not put the smoke directly on the tip of your tongue. Uh, those are still being made, and you'll see them around. It's a double bore twin bore and all kinds of names for it anyway there's a couple of different variations again my favorite is just a standard fishtail somewhat narrow and then it widens out and then i like a little bit of a curve in it so that it helps keep with the roundness of my mouth when i'm holding it in there all right stick with us in just a minute jeremy rush will be on the phone
1: The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco. Founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on Earth has not. Visit sutliff-tobacco.com for information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures.
0: please welcome to the pipes magazine radio show pipe smoker pipe collector beard grower and filmmaker Jeremy rush Jeremy welcome to the show thank you for having me so let's get all your credentials out of the way where did you grow up and as a as a kid
2: well I grew up in uh, Grand Rapids Michigan where I still currently reside uh, um, and i actually I was actually born in Italy but due to my father being in the military and then uh once my parents separated we landed in Grand Rapids which is a lot of uh where our family is from well mostly michigan but I uh, ended up in grand rapids and i love this town it's not too big and not too small
0: and this time of the year you couldn't leave if you wanted to
2: it's very true <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of frozen in
2: mostly yeah and mostly because my wheels are not going anywhere
0: <laughs> so so when did you start smoking a pipe?
2: That's a great question. Um, I can tell you when I got my first pipe, I uh, was probably late 90s uh, from my mother. She happened to be going through some stuff and found her old corn cob pipe, which I still have. And um, she <laughs> makes the smart-ass remark, oh, I never smoked tobacco out of that thing. And I'm like, well, <laughs> good to know, ma. Um <laughs>
0: You beat, you beat me to it.
2: Yeah. Well, see, I've never tried, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was my first pipe. She was like, here, you should have this. And I uh, had that, and then I had a roommate living with me about oh, five years ago or so and came home and smelled this wonderful aroma, and he's on the back deck smoking a pipe. He said, oh, my gosh, I forgot about my pipe that my mom gave me and it's like within a day we were at, at a shop, grabbed the pipe with a uh, aromatic blend. I think it was, Oh, Oh, Amaretto. Uh, and kind of started from there and then broke that pipe. And then uh, one of my friends came up to me and he's like, our buddy's selling these pipes. And I think you should have this one. It was a warden church warden. And <laughs> said it would go really good with your beard. You look like Gandalf. I said, well, thanks. <laughs> and I, and I did I bought it so
0: who showed you how to pack and smoke the pipe?
2: Uh, nobody actually um, there was <laughs> the place we went was more of a uh, craft beer liquor and wine store, <laughs> and so they just had you know a few few pipes and, and a, a different array of tobaccos to choose from, and so it was just kind of a trial and error for me until really until we started production. Uh, with with uh, Father of the Flame, and then I really have just gotten into pipe smoking and and everything else, and um, I think probably between you and a couple other people within the pipe community have really showed me how to pack properly uh, and clean properly. Uh oh. All
0: right, so let's talk about your uh, talk about your film career. Was that your first choice of a career coming out of school?
2: Um. Initially, that's what I, I did go to college for. I went to a small liberal Christian Christian liberal arts school, and um, went. I really was going for film, and it was going to be probably two or three years before I actually got into film school because you had to do all the gen ed stuff first, which I really wasn't a fan of. You know, other than the you know speech classes and biblical history and whatnot, I didn't really give a crap about anything else, <laughs> but. I thought, why do I need to wait three years before I do film school? Why can't I just go to a film school? And so I got kicked out for a low GPA, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I, I say is a blessing in disguise. I didn't waste all that money on a pointless education. Uh, and then about 2000, I heard about a film school starting up in Grand Rapids. And in 2002, uh, I applied and started at a school what it was then called Compass Film Academy or Compass, some Compass Arts, um, and then took a couple of courses, uh, did an industry trip, which, which led me to uh, Vancouver, uh, we, and it was basically watching the industry at work. That was, that was your whole trip. You'd be on sets of film, TV shows, had the privilege of uh, meeting Brian Singer, um, the guy who is known for Usual Suspects, he's the director, uh, the X-Men series, uh, and then the current X-Men that's coming out here uh, soon. As well, and it was really just fascinated me just the how everything just worked, and it wasn't, you know, all this prim proper stuff. It's just your average, everyday-looking person works on these films. They care, care about them. They're very passionate about what they work on. And I did an internship as well in California um, a couple of years later as an art PA, um, and then life happened. Uh, some some things happened in my life where I wasn't able to really do stuff um, with film and kind of just, I guess you could say I I kind of put it on the back burner. I didn't give up on it. And then uh, a young lady I was dating at the time really like pushed me about pursuing my dreams. And so I ended up enrolling in this year long program that the school finally offered and did a year long school, like literally a year um, of film schooling. Um, And then started doing short films around town and short documentaries uh, here and there, and that's kind of how I got into and driven uh, for film.
0: Did you do your internship with anybody that we would know?
2: Um, n- yes and no. Uh, I, the, the produ- I, I worked on this film called The Visitation. It was based off a novel by Frank Peretti. He's a Christian author. I'm a big fan of the guy, actually. And, you know, I read the script and I was super upset because I was like, this is going to be a piece of crap because, um, you know, it doesn't follow the book. I was pissed off, uh, but it was a great experience. Um, and Ralph Winter uh, was the pr- one of the producers for it. And he is known for uh, producing films like Captain Ron uh, and the X-Men series as well. And he actually is one of the, I don't know if he's like on the board for the school I, I, I attended as well. But he has an affiliation with the school. I do know that. Um, but he would be like the bigger name uh, within the industry production side um, for that film.
0: So you probably got saved by getting out of LA.
2: Yeah, I, and that's and that's very true because um, I had planned on going back after my internship, and then I had a you know some big life changes that happened with uh, you know some deaths and everything else. It just kind of threw me for a loop, and I was like, ah, what the. <laughs> um yeah try to control my language i do cuss a lot um but
0: it is an adult only show so
2: oh okay <laughs> fair enough um so and then i you know i got back into film school and kind of ran with it from there
0: what other stuff have you have you worked on anything that we would have that we've seen that's been out
2: uh the only other film that i worked on um That was actually, this was when when Michigan was big in having films done in the state before our great governor asked the uh, film incentive. thank you very much, (laughs) Uh, the jerk. I'm not too fond of him. Um, I worked on a film called Touchback, which um, Kurt Russell was one of the lead actors uh, in. Uh, It was a football movie. I still haven't seen it, honestly. Um, And then um, another film I didn't work on, but... Was was bigger that was done in Grand Rapids was thirty minutes or less. It was a pizza movie with a bunch of well-known c- comedians uh, like Nick Schwartzen, uh, um Danny McBride, Aziz Ansari, um, and I'm uh, Jesse Eisenberg who was the main character. So, other than that, there were a couple of uh, foreign directors who filmed in town, and I was, you know, art department with with those films but they were nothing notable to say the least.
0: Now you're not a University of Michigan football fan, are you?
2: Um yes and no. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't live and breathe Michigan or Michigan State. Um yeah, I kinda lean more towards Michigan, but I think that's more just the friends that I've had in the past growing up. Well, you know, just, I don't live and breathe by that.
0: We'll just skip over the part where I tell you that my son goes to Appalachian State University.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh
0: which for those that don't know, Appalachian went up to Michigan on opening day when Michigan was ranked number 1 and spanked them at home. And that Yeah, they had their
2: asses handed to
0: them. Yeah, that that kind of changed Michigan football for a little bit. So uh <laughs> let's go back to pipe smoking. So you okay. So you're starting, the, you're starting this project, you know a little bit about pipe smoking, and now you're out and digging into it. Without talking about the project quite yet, what were, what were a couple of the, the most interesting things that you found out about pipe smoking that kind of surprised you?
2: Um, well, I think initially, I never knew that, I thought they were all handmade by just like one person. I never knew they were actual, um, you know, mass produced pipes that are still good pipes, you know? Um, but I, you know, I thought, um, you know, people like Lee Von Erk were the people that made them. I, I didn't realize there was such a difference between, you know, an artisan pipe and then, you know, maybe Brigham pipes, um, or Dunhills and, and whatnot. Um, and I didn't know, you know, that the, the wood or the briar came from a specific region in, in the European area, um, which really fascinated me and then the the time frame of, you know, harvesting the burls and everything and then the process they go through before they're actually caught and then, you know, shipped out to the people who are going to shape and create these, these uh, wonderful pieces of art.
0: Did you find anything surprising about the people that are involved in the hobby or on the business side of it? Yeah,
2: I think, I think the, the biggest thing that surprised me is they're just normal everyday people. I mean, some of them might have their quirks or ticks or whatever, um, but they're just normal people that you can just sit down and have a conversation with and they have stories to tell. Um, And I think that was one of the things that really fascinated me was the stories that were, were being told and shared uh, through that. And they're all different, you know, age ranges. It's not some dude that's been doing it for, you know 30 plus years or you know someone that has been doing it 5 years it's it's everybody you know is that's a part of that community is is a fan of pipe smoking and age doesn't matter you all you have this common ground and it's pipe smoking pipe you know creating pipes
0: so let's talk about the beginning of it the the film is called Father the Flame it's the history craft and culture of the pipe where did Let's go. Let's go back to the beginning of it. Where did where did the idea come from? How did it, what were the discussions like?
2: Um, well, it, actually, it's really weird how it happened. I was smoking uh, one of my newer pipes. It was a you know twenty five dollar Lorenzo Spitfire pipe that I purchased up at a shop in Traverse City, and I was hanging out at my buddy's house, waiting to help moose and stuff. And I was waiting for everyone to show up, so I was just having a pipe my buddy Rob showed up and said, when did you start smoking a pipe? <laughs> I'm thinking, well, uh, five, six years ago. I, you know, it's not something I was consistently doing. I would just pick it up, smoke it, and, and go to town. And he said, well, talk to Matt when he gets here. His uncle makes pipes for a living, travels all over the world, and this and that. I was like, all right, cool. Matt showed up. I said, tell me about your uncle. I said, oh, yeah, my uncle Lee, he makes pipes. Lives up in the UP, goes to like Japan and all these pipe conventions all over the world, and sells them for this type of price range. And I was like, "Wow, this is fascinating!" And I instantly, you know, thought I need to do like a short piece on on this guy and his story, and and then um, approached my friend Chad um, and said, "Hey, what do you think about directing this short about this pipe maker?" And so we kind of mulled over it and. We're talking, and he was kind of unsure, and then start, we started researching, and he's like, well, no one has done anything like this. Let's do it. And so we had a conference call with Lee, talked to him for about an hour or so, and he just opened us up to the whole world of pipes. Like, we were so ignorant to everything within the pipe world. Uh, my mind was just blown, and so we ended up going uh, to Chicago in 2012, they went without me. I could not go. I was really bummed out about that, um, to say the least. Um, but they got a bunch of great footage, and they created a trailer um, out of what we shot at the, the expo uh, in Chicago, and uh, that that was our that started our journey. And you know, Lee would connect us with all these different people. He's like, you need to talk to these people about their tobacco. You need to talk to these people about the pipes they make, and you know, and and just on down the line would just introduce us to to many different people um, that were making pipes.
0: We're going to take a break right here and then when we come back we're going to talk about how we can all help make this film and talk about the style of the film. So We'll be back in just a minute.
1: There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the US? Fornoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournogins.com. Fornoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fornoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs.
0: This is Internet Radio. We are back talking with Jeremy. Jeremy, tell me Father of the Flame is it's an independent documentary? Is that a good way to classify it?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh definitely independent. Uh it's a passion project, so we don't have people uh with big money backing us. It's us, you know, thus far we've been been raising it on our own. Um we did an Indiegogo earlier in uh 2013 um raise a little bit of money and then uh we're actually you know, meeting up this week to start a short little campaign uh video for a kickstarter uh video and you can still go to the site though if you go to fondantafame.com uh you can click on different donations um you know fifty hundred dollars and so on uh, uh and not have to worry about going through you know the kickstarter as well either um but yeah, so it's definitely an independent piece, and it's, you know, we need your help. We want to see this done. We believe there's something um, positive to say about pipe smoking, um, whether you want to talk about the art or the, the spiritual aspect of it or the tobacco. Um, there's so many different things that come into play, the different cultural aspects of it, uh, along with the historical, too.
0: Can you give us a little bit of the uh, kind of the storyboard of what you're working on?
2: yes and no um <laughs> uh and, and and a brief synopsis you know, the story is it's you know it like like i said is kind of centered around uh Lee Urch and the people that he's you know in community with within the pipe pipe community, and it's also about the tobacco um like we're we're looking at talking to uh mark ryan uh later this year and going down to Louisiana and filming, uh, he's got a great story to share as well. And then, um, you know, we want to look at, you know, the European, the American culture, the native American culture of of pipe smoking as well. Um, There's just so much there and it's taking it and condensing it into this, you know, 80 minute to 120 minute film without losing the viewer's interest. So it's, you know, we're going through, through our, our storyline and, and, and outline and going, all right, what's going to keep the viewer engaged? What's going to make them wander and go, why should I care about this? Um, and, you know, we want something that's to, to get other people who aren't even into pipe smoking excited about it and go, oh, there's nothing wrong with pipe smoking. It's completely fine and healthy. So right, different aspects.
0: so right now you've got you've got a loose game plan, but as you go out and discover new things, it may go off in different tangents and you're keeping an, an open eye to what else you find?
2: Correct, correct. I had a, I had a good conversation with uh, Sykes when I was in Richmond, and he, he approached me with a, a lot of great questions and, and thoughts and ideas. And um, I, I think I shocked him when I told him what, what, what our budget was. Um, that we were trying to raise money for, for the film, and he, he kind of threw him back. And I said, "Yeah, I mean," and he, he said, "He's like, I don't know anything about the film in, you know, industry or how that works. And you know, it's, it's costly to, to travel. You know, rental equipment, um, you know, lodging, feeding your crew, and then paying everybody that's signed on to, to be a part of the production as well. It it's it's costly and." But we don't want to make some piece of shit film either. We want it to look good, we want it to sound good, and we want the story to be good. So it's definitely worth its weight in gold, um, in my opinion, to invest in a project like this and get it out there um, for the masses to see.
0: So just for some for quick comparison, because I saw Saving Mr. Banks right before Christmas, and that's a relatively small... Budget American film that obviously the two lead actors probably took up the biggest part of the budget, but they estimate the movie to cost about thirty-five million dollars to put that movie from an idea onto the screen. What kind of budget are you looking at for Father of the Flame?
2: Definitely not that big. <laughs> <laughs> not even a. I wouldn't even. Well, I wouldn't even say a quarter of it, but. At this point, uh, where we're at, we're, we're probably just less than halfway done uh, with production. and I would say about a hundred grand to finish it, um, which is actually less than I told Sykes. Um, there was some stuff I hadn't figured out um, financially. Uh, but I mean that, that, that includes you know going to Europe with a crew of five to six people. You know, paying for lodging, flying over there for your travel expenses, because we're going to go to Italy and Denmark, in the film, and then uh, then there's the the three or four different places we still need to hit up stateside that we need to pay for as well. Um, so overall, uh, just about a hundred hundred thousand.
0: And it's going to be a completely thorough look into the into pipe smoking as a, as both a uh, an art form and a hobby. And it's probably going to have better detailed information than I could ever give out because you're actually going to all these places to find this stuff
2: out. We're definitely doing our best, that's for sure. I mean, and that was the one thing that that Sykes really um, approached me on, was talking about. You really need to look at the Danish pipe makers, um, especially Sixton. And you know, I was very you know clueless to you know any of what he had done. You know, I know about his his son and. Uh, granddaughter and whatnot, and and what they what they do within the community. But he was telling me, he's like, really, he's like the father of the flame. He started, you know, the modern pipe that we have today and and everything else. And like, I was shocked. I was like, oh wow, because when he was telling me this, I'm thinking like, oh, he really is father of the flame. And then he said it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really just getting down to it and showing, you know, that and you know, like I said, along with sort of the, like. Um, you know, the, the, the aspect of community as well. And that you know, pipe smoking is not just like, you know, how do I say this? Um, pipe smoking has been put into the category of cigarettes. And I think that's what we really want to break uh, the norm of that, and that it's something totally different. Um, and it's natural tobacco. It doesn't have added chemicals and, and whatnot that's actually going to do damage to your body or to your lungs as
0: well, so. And I always try to remind people there's no hardened alcoholics that are addicted to uh, cognac or 12-year-old scotch. It's
2: a very true statement.
0: So the, do- <laughs> the, the the donations that you're looking for, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here is because I want everybody to help out and get this, get this project going because first of all, you can go to the website, see the trailer that they've done, see the work that they've done, and I've been around the been around the business long enough to know when quality is being produced and this is some really good looking stuff the thank you the the smallest donation is ten dollars and you can do it straight from their website and that will help get this project up and rolling and and of course if you want to donate more i'm sure they'll take it in fact there's all kinds of levels and all kinds of goodies that you get for the more you the more you donate um I'm wondering where the name Father of the Flame came from.
2: That's a great question. Um, well a bunch of our friends in the in the film community here in, in Grand Rapids uh, have gotten together over the last year or so. Um, actually more than more than so probably two years and had what they call a Scotch and vinyl party. And you bring your Scotch and you bring your vinyl and we just hang out and relax and listen to whatever vinyl you bring. And have scotch and some of us bring our pipes and we hang out and it was a happened to be a windy night. Um, the night that the name came about and Chad, I believe was showing everybody how to like pack a bowl and light it. And he goes, yeah, you really got a father the flame. And Scott, who is also our editor and, uh, for this, for this film, uh, they both kind of looked at each other, and I got this. My phone just blew up with text messages. We got the name for our film: "Fathers of the Flame." <laughs> I was like, "That's freaking brilliant!" And 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 we stuck with it, and we aren't looking to change it at any point either, because I, I absolutely love the name.
0: So I can I can remember vividly the uh, the first year that you guys were at the Chicago Pipe Show, and we were watching watching this camera following around lee and thought well you know okay maybe maybe lee's got a glamour photographer taking care of him but (laughs) just to just to give everybody an idea of the cost involved in it the camera that you guys are using is not exactly cheap either
2: no it's not um and it's actually uh becoming the industry standard within the film industry um Right now, we're filming with uh, Red Epic. It's uh, digital. And a lot of the movies you're seeing in the theater right now are being filmed with that. And, you know, film is slowly going out, which is sad because I love, you know, the 35 grain look and everything else. You know, everything's coming into HD and kind of annoys me a little bit. But, um, yeah, the, the Epic is not a cheap camera and it's not something you just go out and buy. Um, by any means, it's, it's a twenty dollars to $30,000 camera, uh, if not more, depending on which one you get and what stuff you get with it. Um, and so the rental for, for that, which is what we're doing, is, is quite costly.
0: You don't own two of them yourself?
2: No, no I don't. But um, the uh, local film production company, Guerrilla Pictures, they have two of them. And we are they, – they're one of the producers as well for, for the project because uh, they are definitely about what we're trying to do uh, with the project. And um, they also uh, want to see it happen as well. So we are um, being allowed to use those cameras uh, for, for their rental fee and whatnot, um, you know, as long as we are in the bounds of working with when they need it, when we need it as well. So
0: it's a, it's a scheduling issue as well
2: yeah it, it definitely is it definitely is um, there they had two cameras like I said so we only need one at this point for what we're doing um, but it's you know are both of them rented out is there one rented out so
0: are you trying to do multiple angles of the same of the same scene or the same shot
2: yes and no I mean for interviews uh, Yes, there there are those multiple angles, um, but we'll just kind of you know go through the questions um, a couple of times um, for the different angles that we want to get. You know, whether you want a close up or a wide shot, you know, we'll, we'll go through the discussion one once or twice. Um, and if whoever is interviewed wants to go back and say, hey, I didn't really word this properly or it didn't sound right to me, let, let me let's do that again. So. Uh, for that, yes, we'll you'll, do, you'll see multiple angles. Other than that, you're just going to see, you know, the you know shots of pipes, shots of tobacco, uh, other various people just wandering around, you know, at the pipe show or, you know, out in their environment or at their shop. One um, more filming.
0: Once you're done filming and you think you've you've got enough recorded, what used to be called in the can, but now I guess it's you know on the jump stick. Uh, right. <laughs> How long will it take you to edit until you get the final film?
2: That's a great question. Um, I would say, and it, this and this is what, what's what's going to it's going to depend on, you know, because everyone else, we all have our own regular jobs. Yeah. You know, I my full time job, I make headstones uh, for the time being, and then you know everyone else has their other film projects they're working on as well. I have a couple that I'm working on too. And it's just okay. When will our schedules be free enough for us to work on it? And that's and that's one of the reasons we're we're raising the money too, so we can actually pay them to not worry about having to take other jobs, so they can pay their bills, and and you know live. You know why this is being made. So, uh, if all said and done, and, and we get the financial uh, backing to to film it and cut it right away, you know I would love to see this done. Uh, by the end of the year, and you know be ready to edit and done um you know next next spring, if not earlier you know if we could if we could get it done next you know this fall, I would love it. I think it would be fabulous and you could do some great things uh with with the film as well.
0: Do you know about how many uh you have an idea of how many hours it'll be in the editing room?
2: oh man um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and especially you know since I'm not the editor that's not something I will take into consideration a whole lot but I know that's the one thing I'm gonna have to do is be in the editing room you know as a producer you know talking over with the director and the editor of what shots work what content works uh, for the story but i'm I'm gonna say you're looking at you know definitely more than 60 to 100 hours depending you know what's all involved I believe and if we have to You know, go reshoot stuff too. You know that takes into account if you stuff gets damaged on your hard drives, film-wise, it's it's it sucks, and you're just like, fuck, I gotta go reshoot this. I
0: I believe Martin Scorsese said when he was asked how long does it take to edit a film, as long as it does.
2: (laughs) That's the best answer, in my opinion. Yeah, Uh, one get the 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 quality, uh, and you want the story right, and you want people to be engaged. Absolutely
0: I also remember watching the uh, Star Wars trilogy documentary where George Lucas had an editor working on the film working on the original Star Wars and had it finished and then he fired the editor and tore the entire movie apart and took another three months to finish it
2: so, that happens too <laughs> yes
0: it it ain't over till it's over yeah
2: until until everyone's happy and I think it's good enough and better enough. Then yeah. It ain't, it ain't over till it's over. That's the truth.
0: Where will the film be shown once it's finished?
2: Um, uh, various places. Uh, we won't, we won't release it to the public right away. We definitely will want to do uh, film festivals. Yeah. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll get them entered in and our goal is to see it do really well. And so with that, it'll get picked up and, and invited to go up to other film festivals, uh, and as well as you know, bringing it to the different pipe um, shows, you know, that happen throughout the year. And we definitely want to do Chicago, Richmond, Vegas. Um, Was Kansas City? I think does one as well. Yeah, so be- we we really want want the- pipe communities to see this and just embrace it and, you know, really put it out there and say, hey, check this out. And, and then, at, you know, once we get a, distrib- a distribution deal, uh, definitely want to see it on Netflix. We want to see it in the different uh, tobacco, uh, tobacconist stores uh, as well. If not, you know, in, in like Best Buy or Target or wherever else.
0: And then at that point, you guys as a crew of filmmakers and fathering the movie you guys might actually uh make some money off of this
2: perhaps perhaps and if we do we do if we don't that that's fine too I, I, our goal is to really tell a good story and that everyone would be behind that
0: well the capitalist and, in me wants to see it make money
2: well i i mean i'm not opposed to that at all i just i want to i want to see this thing done and made and and get, get it out there so everybody can go, wow, that, I've never thought about that. I had a, had a friend uh, from Arizona I who is very much involved in, in various different types of art. And, you know, I, this is my favorite thing to hear from anybody that watches the trailer. They always go, I really want to smoke a pipe now. <laughs> or I want to grab my pipe and go smoke it. And I, I love it when I hear that the females are like, Wow, I kind of want to get into pipe smoking. I never, wow, that's interesting.
0: So here's what I want everybody to do. The website is fathertheflame, F-A-T-H-E-R-T-H-E-F-L-A-M-E dot com. Go to the website, check out the trailer that's up there, poke around the website, donate whatever you can, because whatever you can donate helps these guys get the film done and finished, and that's all it does. It just gets it in the can and ready to be shown and I think for our hobby and for our little, uh, our little corner of the world, this would probably be uh, one of the biggest things to hit it in a long time. But make sure and go check out the website. Look at the uh, donate page as well. And uh, let's help them get it going. Indeed, yes. And we'll have you not carving headstones, especially one for me because I don't want one. Let's wrap this up with the fast five final questions. There is no right answer, no wrong answer, short or long, doesn't matter. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's your favorite pipe?
2: My church warden.
0: And what's your favorite tobacco?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. Right now, uh, my favorite is the Roma Vita from Sutliff.
0: And what's your favorite drink?
2: Uh, my favorite drink? That's a toss-up. I'm going to go with a nice red wine. Usually a Zinn.
0: I'm going to change this one up for you. Just specifically for you. Who's your favorite movie director? (laughs) Who? Yeah, Curveball. Thought you had him already, didn't you?
2: (laughs) You're right. I mean, for as long as I've been listening to the show now, you'd think I'd be prepared for the (laughs) Curveball. Um damn <laughs> um I, I don't i, you know, I, I don't favorite... recall
0: any of dam's films but
2: <laughs> me either um i i'm a very big fan of the noir stuff so i man so, i you know i i like I, scorsese is one of my faves um but i mean it, it's really i don't have like one favorite director i mean sydney lumet um yeah, I don't. I don't really have one favorite director. It's a good handful. Uh, Ridley Scott, um, for some of the stuff he's done.
0: Well, that gives us something to go looking for. And finally, the standard last question: Any favorite pipe smoking memories?
2: Uh, you know, I don't have like one specific one, um, but I think probably um, being like I, I say, my most recent would probably be in Richmond, uh hanging out with all you guys and, and just smoking amongst some of the greats uh, within the Artisan Pipe community and you know I never, I, you know, I, I, just don't really see how big this film is within that community and it, I, it's just an honor just to hang out with people who have this sort of title given to them but they're just your average Joe who will hang out and talk with you and answer questions and I'm sure you're going to find your guy who thinks they're better than you um, but you know i can tolerate that and well i guess i won't talk to them ever again
0: (laughs) or you'll talk to them again and you won't remember
2: (laughs) there you go i blocked it such a horrible memory
0: jeremy thank you for your time thank you for the work that you guys are doing on this project everybody go to the website help them get it going we'll be back in just a minute
2: thank you brian very much I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my
1: perfect blend at SutlifTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard there are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Hi, this is Matt Gus from the Seattle Pipe Club and you're listening to the pipes magazine radio show
0: there you go more fun stuff coming up for us in the pipe world Uh, do please check out their website help them out all you can we need to get this thing going and staying on a movie theme uh, duck dunn donald duck dunn bass player pipe smoker also member of the blues brothers so for music we've got the blues brothers featuring donald duck dunn on bass
2: Thank
1: you. Just
2: for you. Yeah, honey, something special just for you.
0: We were talking about movies. I figured I'd pull out B movie boxcar blues. I think Dan Aykroyd also smokes a pipe occasionally.
1: Alert one, alert one, incoming emergency action message.
0: A lot of mail to get through in a little bit of time, so let's get right to it. Going back to Per Jensen, uh, Mike seventy three says another great show, guys. I was very excited for this show, having been a, on a McBaron kick here lately. They actually have the first Latakia blend that I cannot get enough of with their plum cake mix. Uh, He goes on to say, a few answers floored me like the age of tobacco in the HH Dark Fired blend with the amount of tobacco actually stored in the warehouse. This show is like a good Virginia, it gets better with age. And keep up the good work. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Peter70... Wrote, I'm normally not listening to the radio show, but this time I could not pass. I really like this guy. I was very sad when the Jensen pipe factory closed, and I'm holding my George Jensen pipes in honor. I'm glad that McBaron saw the possibilities when hiring him, and the success of the HH Blend shows that they took the right decision. I'm supporting McBaron whenever I can because I like privately owned companies. Peter also asked a question I was missing was why they decided to not go with the original three nuns recipe when they took over production. I would have been interested if there were any legal reasons or other reasons behind it. Peter, I'm going to take a shot at answering that for you. The blend that we have now is the blend that's been in production for several years already. The Parique was gone long before McBaron ever got it, and it's probably been 15 years since the Perique was out of it. Uh, Cosmic Folklore wrote, "Thank you, gentlemen, for doing these shows. I've enjoyed this show as usual, and I've just ordered a tin of H.H. Old Dark Fire to give it a try. Good stuff." Uh, he also said, "I would have never thought about how politics in Africa could affect our hobby." Let me skim through a couple more of these. Uh, young Blacksmith, brand new member, great show. I could listen to Mr. Jensen talk all day. Very interesting hearing the inner workings of blending at the, in the McBaron history. Brian and Kevin, you've re-sparked my love of pipes with your podcast. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Trail Boss, it was a great show. I, too, was amazed at the age the HH Dark Fired blend is and the amount of tobacco stored at McBaron's. Apparently, uh, that's copy. Caught some people by surprise. He goes on to say, I really didn't want to open my tin of HH Dark Flakes since I have so many open, but I keep hearing the voice hearkening from the dark side of the tin beckoning. All right. Uh, R.M. Bittner, Bob writes, Last week was a rough one for me. We had a major ice storm here in mid-Michigan. We lost power from Saturday night, December 21st. Until Saturday afternoon, December 28th. I tend to be a warrior, but my anxiety was in overdrive as we saw our house temp drop from 71 to 37 over the course of three days. Luckily, we were able to borrow a generator to keep the water pipes from freezing, but we couldn't stay in the house after the second night. And our... Uh, We're semi-rural, on a well, so we had no running water without electricity, and our phone is through the cable company, so only cellular. We lost lots of tree limbs, all of our food, of course, and had to move our cat out for a while. All of that to say, it wasn't a great Christmas week. Today I finally got to listen to the latest radio show. I haven't always enjoyed McBaron's blends, so I wasn't sure I'd care much for the interview. I was wrong. I loved it, and I'm now thinking I need to work my way through every one of McBaron's offerings and see if I can understand them better. To top it off, the Bing Crosby th- song almost brought tears to my eyes. After an awful holiday week, it was the perfect medicine. For some, sh- for some folks, I'm sure this was just another enjoyable episode, but it ended up meaning much more than that to me, and for that I have to say thank you. Bob, you're very welcome. I'm glad we could uh, lift your spirits in the holiday season. Um, S.S. Jones, Al, writes, I just listened to the show. Another excellent interview. I agree with Brian on the Polar Express. It's just plain creepy. Got several nice comments on the uh, interview with uh, with the Meerschaum store with Bahadish. Lots of... Uh, <laughs> Lots of advice to stay away from Turkish tequila. No, I think he's drinking. Uh, I think he's drinking regular uh, Mexican tequila. Uh, got a couple more comments from people over the week about the uh, about the interview with Pear, and both Dino and Ed Green, of course, enjoyed the uh, Coltrane piece last week couple of comments on there about cigars go on the forums and check them out in the meantime also while you're on the website check out the pipe events page that has been updated for 2014 so it's time to start planning your trips to pipe shows yes here i go again remember you can't afford to not get to a pipe show so get out to a pipe show get your hands on a whole bunch of pipes touch pipes Feel pipes, talk to pipe people, see them in person, sample tobaccos, touch tobaccos, smell tobaccos. All that goes on at pipe shows, and then you might find your next newest favorite. Check out the pipe events page. It's been updated for 2014. We will be back with rant time in just a minute.
1: This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meersham pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com the most trusted Mearsham store for 50 years. The term one-stop shop is so overused. There's no place that is literally a one-stop shop. Well, guess what? When it comes to your quality tobacco products, there is. It's cupojoes.com with hundreds of pipe tobacco blends, thousands of pipes in stock, a wide variety of cigars, coffees, accessories, and so much more. All you have to do is go to cupojoes.com and there it is cupojoes.com quality products extraordinary prices
0: Out of shape, overweight, lazy, and my finances are a mess because it's January and that means that on TV all we're seeing is ads for diet plans, weight loss plans, health and nutrition, exercise, gyms, and all that are all advertising stuff because they think that I'm silly enough to make a New Year's resolution to start exercising. You've been doing it over and over again, so it must work with some people, but it doesn't work with me. It's bad enough that we just survived a whole Christmas season full of goofy fragrance commercials. Now, every commercial or every other commercial that we see on TV is about a weight loss program or get healthy or your taxes are due and do your taxes yourself. No, thanks. I got it all under control. I got it all handled. I don't need a whole January full of making me feel like I'm lazy. If I want to get some exercise, I'll do some work around the house. Right now, all I want to do is be warm. I don't want to go out and exercise. I want to be warm. It's cold outside. So take your commercials and take your weight loss plans and take your celebrity endorsements for everything and just play them somewhere else leave me alone with them leave me alone and no i'm not having somebody you know do my i'm not having my taxes done on my own computer at home it's not that simple it never is and i don't need to be reminded six times a night that i can get into a gym for 1995 for the first three months no i can't i'm too lazy to get there sorry i'd rather sit at home and do what i promised to do and that's smoke my pipe every day with that, we'll wrap up the show. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Remember, 8 p.m. Eastern time on every Thursday night. Make sure if you got friends that smoke a pipe, let them know about the Pipes Magazine radio show. Follow me on Facebook. If you get a chance, please do uh, leave us an iTunes review. We really do appreciate those. Hope everybody is uh, staying warm. Those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, I'll uh, be bugging you and. July. So thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company and until next time.
1: Happy trails to to you until about the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy train dida dum dada we mom pa
0: episodes have we done now oh yeah <laughs>